what a great thing to be a part of this great church. Acts chapter 1 and verse 2. Until the day in which he was taken up, after that he through the Holy Ghost had given commandments unto the apostles whom he had chosen, to whom also he showed himself alive after his passion by many infallible proofs. Aren't you glad that God is a God of proof? Being seen of them 40 days and speaking of the things pertaining to the kingdom of God. And being assembled together with them, commanded them that they should not depart from Jerusalem, but wait for the promise of the Father, which saith he, ye have heard of me. For John truly baptized with water, but ye shall be baptized with the Holy Ghost not many days hence. When they therefore were come together, they asked of him, saying, Lord, wilt thou at this time restore again the kingdom to Israel? And he said unto them, It's not for you to know the times or the seasons which the Father hath put in his own power, but ye shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and ye shall be witnesses unto me, both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria and unto the uttermost part of the earth. I want to pull our text this morning from verse 3 where it says he showed himself alive after his passion, his crucifixion, by many infallible proofs being seen of them 40 days. I want to speak to you this morning on this subject, 40 days of favor, 40 days of favor. How many of you are ready this morning to start 40 days? of favor from the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. You believe God's got that for you today? Why don't we lift our hands right now? Lord, I thank you for the opportunity to be in your house. Thankful, Lord, for the opportunity to gather with your people. I pray your anointing, Lord, upon this service, upon all of us, God, our hearts and minds to receive your word. Let your favor fall and let it start us out this day on a journey that will bring us closer to you. Everybody said in Jesus' name. You may be seated. Thank you for standing. These 40 days, these 40 days, this period of time when Jesus had resurrected from the dead and before he ascended and went into heaven, there was this 40-day period of time. It was in these 40 days that Jesus showed himself alive. The Bible describes it that way which was very important because it wasn't like after his resurrection somebody just saw him down at Home Depot or Walmart or somebody saw him passing down the street somewhere but for 40 days he showed himself alive so that there was no doubt I'm gonna tell you something our God that you and I serve is a God who gives you proof that he loves you He's not a God that asks you to believe in something without ever giving you evidence that your faith is in the right place. Yes, there is parts to serving God that's always going to require faith. There's things that happen to all of us we don't understand the reason. But if you serve God long enough, you're going to find that there is a God of infallible proofs that will show himself alive to you over and over and over again. 
Many of you that sit in this building today, you could give evidence right now that God touched you when you needed God at a midnight hour. That God healed your body. That God saved your soul. That God delivered you from sin. That God touched your child. That God healed your marriage. You've got tangible, physical proof that God is a God of evidence. So for 40 days, he showed himself alive. It was very important because we see that this was also a time of teaching. He was explaining to them the things concerning the kingdom of God. It was a time when Jesus gave his disciples a living experience of his presence. A living experience of his presence. Now, the reason that that is so important is because it's the same thing God's doing today. In year 2017, he is still giving the church a living experience of his presence. Yes, there's a way that you can read the word of God and you can examine the word of God through biblical archaeology and through history and through science and and, and, and through all of these different elements that we have around us. But ladies and gentlemen, there is something powerful about knowing God for yourself. And what I've come to tell you today is that you do not have to take my word for it. If you had a grandmother that was a praying grandmother that prayed for you, you don't have to take grandma's word for it. You can know God for yourself. <laughs> Friday night I had the opportunity to go and visit Sister Joan Circaruli, who those of you remember Sister Joan for years, she came in her wheelchair. She could only come on Sunday nights, but when we would start to sing and worship God and all that, she would bring her wheelchair down here and she would roll it round and round and round. She had muscular dystrophy for many years and she combined to a wheelchair, but she would wheel her, her wheelchair round and round down here and worship. I remember one time Bishop Myers got down there and worshiped with her. And so she was in a nursing home for many, many years, but there she would teach Bible studies and she's just a great lady. And of course, she uh, passed away yesterday, but Friday night, I was able to go and visit her at the hospital, and uh, she couldn't respond, but I was there talking with her, and I was saying, Joan, you're not going to have a wheelchair anymore. You're going to be in heaven, and you're going to get a brand new body, and you're not going to be confined to this chair anymore, and she would try to talk, and she couldn't talk, and so for some reason, I have never, ever done this before, Bishop. But for some reason, it was just me and Joan there in the hospital room Friday night, and I sat down next to her, and I started singing. And I started singing, what a day that will be when my Jesus I shall see. When I look upon his face, the one who saved me by his grace. Now, you may not think you can sing good, but I think I can sing good. So I sing good when it's just me in the shower, or people that are getting ready to go to heaven. <laughs> and while I was sitting in that chair singing, Joan, who could not speak anymore, and it was just a few hours from passing away, tears started coming down out of her eyes. And I said, once again, God has given us physical evidence that when this thing is all said and done, ladies and gentlemen, you're going to have proof that your faith was not in vain. But the God that you love is a God who is the author and the finisher of your faith. Woo! Hallelujah! I'm glad for a God that gives us a living experience of His presence. 
this living experience that, that, that Jesus gave these disciples in this 40-day period of time, it put fire and passion into the early Christians. Yes, they were followers of Christ prior to that, but there was challenges. And as we know, Peter even denied the Lord three times as they were dealing with the confusion of all that led up to the crucifixion and them taking their master away and having to see him being beaten. And it looked like that this was defeat when actually it was victory. And we'll tell you what, folks, you may not always understand it, but some things that look like a defeat in the natural world is a victory in the supernatural world. Mm. You just got to say, God, I don't know why I'm doing, going through this, but you're, there's a reason, and I'm going to bless the Lord, oh, my soul. I felt an unction this morning when these singers were singing, and they said, I will bless the Lord. And there was just like a, an energy, just a, a, like a lightning bolt of God's presence that was coming through. There, there is something about understanding that God is a God, hallelujah, that looks after his people. He is looking for opportunities to favor you and bless you. He's not a God that's back here somewhere looking for a chance to judge you. There is a natural consequences and even supernatural consequences to disobeying the principles of God's word. But God is looking for a chance to bless you. He's looking for an opportunity to favor you. He's looking for a chance to show you his love and how much he cares about you and what all he has for you. Physically, tangible evidence. And so... After this ascension, there was this 40-day period of time, and this was something that was so important because there was a fire that was put in this New Testament church that caused them to go to Jerusalem and to tarry for 10 days and to seek the Lord and then for the Holy Ghost to be poured out. And then Acts 3, as Peter and John are going into the temple, now they have this power of the Spirit of God and they have this 40 days of proof and evidence that has been given to them through the teaching of a Jesus who now has a resurrected body. And this is something that changes. You can see the change in the disciples from before this period of time to after this period of time. And we've always said that's because the Holy Ghost was poured out, and that's true. But there was also this 40-day period of time that something changed. The evidence of the resurrection of Jesus is, is vastly important intellectually. But equally, if not more important, is the sensing by our own experience that Christ is alive. Amen. Ladies and gentlemen, I believe with all of my heart that it is a trick of the enemy for you to have to live out your Christian life without having an experience of the outpouring of the Spirit of God in your life. I know there's something powerful that takes place at repentance, and I definitely don't think that we should dismiss that. There is something powerful that takes place at baptism. There is something powerful that takes place when you feel the weight of sin lifted up off of your shoulders and you know that God has forgiven you of every mistake and wrong thought or action. But ladies and gentlemen, there is something about experiencing a resurrected Christ. 
The Bible says in Romans, but if the spirit of him that raised up Christ dwells in you, he that raised up Christ from the dead will also quicken your mortal body. Don't ever let anybody talk you out of the infilling of the Holy Ghost. There is something about experiencing a resurrected Savior. How do you experience that? It's when God puts his spirit, that resurrected spirit, inside of every one of us. And you can know for yourself that God is real. And God is alive. And God loves me. And God saved me. They knew by their experience that he was alive. 40 days of teaching. And the incredible thing about this is that we're not given the details of this 40 days. Maybe that's why we never hear any preaching about these 40 days. Because there's not a lot of details that are given to us about this 40-day period of time. But just imagine standing there in a resurrected being, Jesus Christ, explaining and teaching the government of God. Very little is given to us through the writers of the New Testament in an effort to prove his resurrection. It is assumed based on their personal experience so that they are not compelled to write and to try to prove that Jesus rose from the dead. Literally, Jesus authenticated himself by pouring scripture into them. Ladies and gentlemen, this is where we start. Forty days in scripture. How great it would be to have that consecrated time with the Lord. There's an interesting thing when you look at the book of Acts because Luke, who is the writer of the book of Acts, he He's very deliberate in how he writes the book of Acts, and it's divided into six major sections. And at the end of each major section in the book of Acts is a summary statement, as it were, that Luke gives. The first is found in Acts chapter 6 and verse 7, and it says, The word of God increased, and the number of the disciples multiplied in Jerusalem greatly, and a great company of the priests were obedient to the faith. The next summary a statement that we get at the end of the next section comes to us from Acts chapter 9 and verse 31. And it says, Then had the churches rest throughout all Judea and Galilee and Samaria and were edified or strengthened. The next summary statement that we see is in Acts chapter 12, verse 24. But the word of God grew and multiplied. The next summary statement is given to us in Acts 16, 5. And so were the churches established in the faith. And the next one's in Acts 19, 20. So mightily grew the word of God and prevailed. And like two giant steps feet walking through the book of Acts. We see this going back and forth. The word of God grew and multiplied. The church grew and multiplied. And the word of God grew and multiplied. And the church, you know what that means ladies and gentlemen? It has to be the word of God growing that makes our churches grow. You can't have one without the other. You're not going to have a strong church without having a strong faith in the Bible. You've got to believe that everything in that book is true. (laughs) 
I want to say this because I feel this in the Holy Ghost. You want to have the favor of God in your home? You got to have the word of God in your home. You want to have the favor of God upon your marriage? You got to have the word of God in your marriage. You want to have the favor of God upon your children? You got to have the word of God in your children. Where the word of God is growing, that's where God's favor is. Where God is growing in a person's life through the spoken, believed word of God. Ladies and gentlemen, that's where God's presence goes. People say, oh, we, we feel something different when we go to First Pentecostal Church. We feel the presence of God when we go there. I wish you could talk to all the people... In the, in the welcome center that we see every Sunday. I, I could feel the power of presence of God. It was something different. That's not by accident. That's not fabricated through human effort. That's not based on personality. That's based on the fact that we believe the word of God. Everything in that book. We believe it. Even if it's not popular. Even if it's not politically correct. Even if it doesn't fly in sync with our culture. We believe the word of God. Paul said even so do we speak. Not as pleasing man. But pleasing God. Which trieth our heart. I'm not always going to make you happy. But if I can make God happy. His presence will abide here. If I can say Lord. I'm going to preach your word. That's where God says my favor will be. Let's lift our hands right now. The Holy Ghost. I pray right now under the anointing and the unction of the Holy Ghost. That the word of God would increase in every one of our lives. That the word of God would become a pivotal place, a crossroads in every day that your word would be paramount in our lives. That every day it wouldn't be the news of this world, but it would be what is the news from heaven? What is it that God wants me to know about his kingdom? It's not that I think that it's a sin to listen to Fox News. But I do think it's a sin if we listen to the news of this kingdom more than we listen to the news of that kingdom. Yeah, I didn't think it was like a boom, boom, boom. It's like a horse on one leg trying to get out a gate. I know we don't want to hear this because we're so caught up with our culture. We want God's favor, but we want it on our terms when we sneak in a one-hour service once a week. We want God's favor, but we're going to do it whenever we can get around to it when we don't have anything else going on. I'm going to tell you what God wants to know. Are you willing to spend 40 days with Him? Are you willing to spend 40 days and say, you know what? Every day when I get up for the next 40 days, before I turn on the news, before I get in a bad mood, I'm going to get out my Bible and I'm going to say, God, what do you want to do with me today? Come on, First Pentecostal Church. I'm talking about 40 days of favor. 
fire from heaven. Favor of God on a church or a family or an individual directly related to the importance that we put on the commandments of God. And then in verse 4 we read, and being assembled together with them, commanded them that they should not depart from Jerusalem. But wait for the promise of the Father, which saith he, ye have heard of me. They are assembled together. They're having church. They are gathering together for the purpose of lifting up the Lord and of reading of the Old Testament scripture that they had at that time, the promises and the prophecies of Christ. So that we see that the favor of God is directly tied to the assembling together of the believers in Christ. People want favor in their lives, but they don't want to go to church. I need you to have six services on Sunday so I can choose if I want to go to 7, 8, 9, 10, 12, or 2 o'clock in the afternoon. That's why churches are going to have multiple services, and I'm not saying I'm against that. Don't get lost on the example. We may have to go to two services eventually. That doesn't mean we backslid. But there's a principle behind it. You can't just pick what's convenient for you. you got to make up in your mind, I'm going to bless the Lord. And if the church doors are open, we're going to the house of God. If we got to delay our vacation, if we got to delay going to see uncle. You don't want to hear this. favor of God is directly tied to the assembling. The New Testament reminds us that as we see the day of the return of the Lord drawing nigh, that we are to forsake not the assembling of ourselves together. What would happen in your family if for 40 days you didn't miss a church service? Yeah, it got quiet there. Did you notice that? I'll just wait on you. I got all day. I, I got water here. I got mints in my pocket. <laughs> oh, pastor, I'd have to rearrange a lot of things. I don't know. When, when you'd have to, first thing you'd have to do is start ask, asking, when all does the first Pentecostal church have church? Although our schedule hasn't changed in 20 years. in your home that if for 40 days you said I'm going on Sunday morning Sunday night and Wednesday night I'm going to the house of the Lord you say well that, that'd be too much pastor well you need to read about the New Testament church because it says they assemble daily daily you say, but yeah, but if I got to do that, that's going to interfere with my work. Well, guess what? When you're on your deathbed, it's not going to matter how much money you've got in the bank. What's going to matter is, have you had a personal experience with a living God? 
I'm preaching to somebody today. God's wanting to favor you. God's wanting to bless you. But he wants to know, is there 40 days of faithfulness in you? Jesus tells his followers not to depart from Jerusalem. I know you're going to get back there and you're going to get busy and you're going to say, i got to go here. Don't depart from Jerusalem. But wait for the promise of the Father. That's hard for us to do in the 21st century. Wait for the promise of the Father. Then he reminds them that what's fixing to happen was foretold. First by John the Baptist. For John truly baptized with water. But ye shall be baptized with the Holy Ghost. Not many days hence. We know from his introduction that Luke is writing of things fulfilled. It was not just a narrative of history, but it was an account of predictable prophecy. We don't always like to talk about this element of God's favor, but if we believe that Jesus supernaturally rose from the dead, and if we believe that Jesus was God incarnate in flesh, why should we shy away from this extra evidence? You say, what extra evidence that Christianity authenticates itself by being a part of a prior revealed plan of God? That God is going to have a church. And it's going to be a triumphant church. And God's going to have a people that worship him. If it's going to come out of the grave or from the rocks, God is going to be praised. So this resurrection was not to just be recorded as an event in history. It was to be an experience that we should all share. And this was given to his followers for 40 days. Paul talked about it in Galatians chapter 2 and verse 20 when he said, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Notice that they're part and parcel to one another. I'm crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me, and the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. You know what Paul is saying? Paul is saying that if we can crucify our flesh and join with Jesus in the crucifixion. By saying, not my will, but thy will be done. Then we're also going to share in his resurrection. Let me read that verse again so you get it. I am crucified with Christ. The old man, the old way, the old nature. I put it all on the altar. I gave it all over to the Lord. I said, Lord, not my will, but thy will be done. Paul said, I die daily. He says, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. I got a resurrected spirit just like Jesus does. When somebody else would give up, I'm not going to give up. I'm going to get back up. Why? Why, Paul? Because Christ liveth in me. He's saying, I have that resurrected Savior in me. 
And if 40 days of favor is founded on the word, and if it grew through the assembling together of the saints, then it is intended to culminate in the outpouring of the Spirit so that Christianity would be more than a philosophy, but rather an experience. And can I add this to it? An undeniable experience. Notice in the book of Acts the order of events. Go to Jerusalem. The Holy Ghost will come. I'm going to come back again. But in the meantime, you're going to have power through the Holy Spirit. Power. What kind of power? Power to walk through walls? Power to leap over tall buildings? Nope. You're going to have power to avoid distractions. Woo, man, oh man. I am so comfortable right now in the Holy Ghost. <laughs> Acts chapter 2 and verse 6. When they therefore were come together, they asked of him, saying, Lord, Acts 1, 6. Wilt thou at this time restore again the kingdom to Israel? Now, before we unpack this verse anymore, notice first of all the question. The question is not, will you restore the kingdom to Israel? But rather, whether you're going to do it now. There was no question that he was the Messiah and that he would restore Israel. But is this the time that you're going to restore Israel? That was their question. They had no question as to the fundamental assumption that is recorded throughout the entire Old Testament that the nation of Israel would be restored. They did not realize that the concept of the kingdom of God is bigger than a kingdom on this earth. This was more than a socio-political kingdom. This was more than national pride. He is and was and is to come. The King of kings and the Lord of lords. And from him would come a kingdom. You gotta have a king to have a kingdom. We got a king. But this kingdom would be a spiritual kingdom because of the nature of its king. The success of any kingdom depends on the loyalty of its citizens to the king, but this kingdom, where the king is God incarnate, is the kingdom that is more than just a socio-political freedom from oppression. This is a kingdom where trust must be involved and in particular, loyalty of the human heart. That's what this kingdom is all about. And ladies and gentlemen, this is where the gospel starts. Forty days he had spent with them. But yet still, they ask this question, wilt thou at this time restore again the kingdom to Israel? And the answer that Jesus gives them is very abrupt. I mean, you, you, you can read it, verse 7. He said to them, it is not for you to know. Wow, you've spent 40 days teaching us. And now you're saying, it's not for us to know the times or the seasons? which the Father hath put or fixed in His own power. 
Not your power. His own power. Oh my, this is still a net that catches a lot of Christian fish. When's it going to happen? We want to know the date. Even Jesus dealt with this in his day. He said, you look and you want a sign. You look up into the heavens, you're all chasing a bunch of stuff. He said, don't be distracted with timetables. Don't be confused or uncertain about seasons. The distraction that he's talking about is one that's based on human curiosity rather than divine purpose. It's not for you to know the times or the seasons which the Father has put in his own power, but ye shall receive power. It's going to be power to stay focused and it's going to be power to be a witness. So don't worry about when it's going to happen. Just get on with the gospel. Be witnesses unto me in Jerusalem and in Judea. He then did something that proved that this was not the time to restore the nation of Israel. He disappeared. He went away. <laughs> Why did he go away? Lord, without this time, I guess not. <laughs> He's going away. He's disappearing. Just like some folks here in the church. They're going out the back door. Thank you for coming. God bless you. Some of them may have to go to work. I'm giving them the benefit of the doubt. Why did he leave? Hopefully it's the same reason why these people left. So he could come again. It's Pastor Appreciation Month, so I'm going to just say whatever I want to say this morning. <laughs> Why did he leave? I'm sure they would say, Lord, this is a great time for you to stay around because they all think we're crazy for following you and everybody saw you be crucified. But now we just got this group on all of it where you're disappearing. Oh, you need to stay a little while. Why did he leave and go away? It's found in verse 11. Which also said, you men in Galilee, why stand you gazing up into heaven? This same Jesus, which is taken up from you into heaven, shall so come, watch this now, in like manner as ye have seen him go into heaven. Right, right. Ladies and gentlemen, God is not finished with physics yet. Let me just say it. Let me break it down. He's not finished with physical evidence yet. He's going to come back in like manner. As he went away, they saw him go away, and his believers are going to see him. You know, there's another philosophy. I'm coming to a close. There's another philosophy that... There's not going to actually be a second coming of the Lord. I, you know, I don't know what the deal is. People just think over a period of time they can make up their own rules. Jesus says, you see me going like my arms are coming again. People say, well, there's not actually going to be a rapture. A lot of times people make up new theology to deal with the fears that they have in their own, in their own soul. And so sometimes people are afraid of missing the rapture, so they want to start believing that there's not actually a rapture. Because then you don't have to live in fear of it, I guess. Do you know what? If you're living in fear of the rapture, it's because you're not living right. Why not fix that rather than change? Just a thought. 
There's, a, there's this concept that there's not going to actually be a rapture. And Jesus is not going to actually come. It's just going to, all of a sudden, things are going to become like heaven on earth. That's not what the Bible says. Now, you may have heard somebody on a tape somewhere say that, but that doesn't make it true. You've got to get back to the Word of God. This is where truth comes from, not the Internet. He's going to come again. And we're going to be caught up to meet him in the air. And we're going to see him. And we're going to know each other. That's what the Bible says. He's not finished with physical evidence yet. As you saw him go into heaven, he shall so come in like manner. As you have seen, and he puts the scene in there again, go into heaven. You will see him come again as he went. There is to be a physical manifestation. And if you don't want to believe that, then maybe you can at least believe this. There's going to be a new heaven and a new earth. He's still a God that's exercising within the atmosphere of the supernatural. He still believes in physical evidence. Why is this important in the context of the favor of God? Good question. I'm glad you asked it. Because God gives you and me a physical demonstration of his power. Oh, hallelujah. Well, I don't, I don't know if that Holy Ghost is real or not. Well, come on and experience it. He has a table spread where the saints of God are fed. Come and dine. To quote an old song, it's for whosoever will. You say, well, I wasn't born in the church. It's still for you. My parents weren't Christians. It's still for you. I still got some trouble at home. It's still for you. I still got mistakes that I'm living out the consequences. It's still for you. It's for whosoever will. It's for every man, woman, boy, and girl. This promise is unto you and your children and to all of those that are far off. To those that are afar off. I preached that in Cuba. In a big old Baptist church in Havana. Where people were lined up around the windows. I said this promise is for you. And we saw over a hundred people. Receive the Holy Ghost. In Havana, Cuba. Because it's for whosoever will. We preached it in communist China. It's for whosoever will. The promise is for those that are afar off. And ladies and gentlemen, if he can save people in Cuba and China, where it's against the law to assemble yourselves together, how much more so can he save you and give you a physical sign of his power and his favor? But when you really think about it, he's doing it already. If you've ever had a physical healing in your body would you raise your hand right now those of you that don't have your keep them up those of you that don't have your hand up look around at all these people that's evidence right there beyond a shadow of a doubt god is a god of physical evidence you can put your hand down if you've ever been delivered 
from an addiction, would you raise your hand right now? Look at these hands going up around this building. That sign of a God who still dwells in physical evidence. If you've ever been filled with the gift of the Holy Ghost, with the evidence of speaking in tongues, would you raise your hand? <laughs> Woo, hallelujah! That's evidence beyond a shadow of a doubt. God is alive. God is real. And when a person is changed and made a new creature in Christ Jesus, once again, God, who was manifested in the flesh, is revealed again in a physical world. That a God who is supernatural can do a super work in a natural world. Good God Almighty. Woo, hallelujah. That's the kind of God that we serve. And that's what God wants to do for each of us today. Would you stand to your feet? My God in heaven. Mm. Boy, you can feel it. It's, you, can, you can almost cut it with a knife. It's in this atmosphere. Mm. In the name of Jesus. Forty days of rain and judgment brought forty days of favor and salvation to Noah and his family. Forty days of sorrow brought salvation to the house of Noah. And on the fortieth day, he opened the window of his ark. Ladies and gentlemen, you have to open the window of your heart to receive the physical transformation that brings favor to your life. Forty days Moses was on Mount Sinai in the presence of God. He was physically transformed. As his face, the Bible says, was aglow with the favor of God. Is there anybody in this building today that's hungry to have that kind of encounter with a living God? That your life would be aglow with the favor of God. He was physically transformed. But he had to make the trip to the mountain. He had to get in the presence of God. So my question for you today is what physical manifestation do you need God to do in your life today? Then open the window 
of your soul and make the trip to the altar because God has something for you. Something that is undeniable. He wants to do something that no man can deny. And if you need the God of evidence, the God of physical manifestation to do a supernatural work in your life, would you step out from where you're standing? Would you come to this altar? And in so doing, would you open the window of your ark? I know we don't have a Mount Sinai to climb today, but maybe you can even walk to this altar. Not a hard journey to make. In fact, the floors even slope this direction. You can almost slide coming down here. It takes, it takes absolutely no effort. But sometimes it's the longest walk that you'll ever make in your life. Because when you get to this altar, you know there's no turning back. I'm going to give it all over to Jesus. I'm going to turn it all over to Him. If you need a healing in your body, or you need deliverance, or you need the physical manifestation of the outpouring of the Spirit of God with the evidence of speaking it to would you raise your hands right now and would you lift your voice? That's it. Lift your voice right now. If you've received the Holy Ghost before, I want you to begin to speak it out in tongues. I want you to shout it. Shout it. Shout it. Shout it. That's it! That's the Holy Ghost! Yes, yes, yes! Every 